Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I am in the presence of genius. And it's not I, folks, but it's my guest. Steve Bonnenberger has a YouTube channel. It's called The Genius Path. He's, you can find him on LinkedIn at Steve Bonnenberger, B-O-N-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. And we're going to find out what drives him, what, what, what The Genius Path is all about. But you are going to get encouraged today, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna level up here because I'm not normally well. Most always, I am in the presence of someone much smarter than me, and today is no exception. Steve Bonnenberger joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Steve, how are you today, Brian? I'm thrilled to be here, and I honor you, young man. What a joy it is for me to be able to be in in your presence and. And I thank you, Brian, for permitting me to speak to you and to the folk who, who treasure your words. Um, I take this really as a humble experience. I'm just a humble man. And I take it as a chance for us to be able to talk about what God has done in my life, Brian, for four, over 40 years. So we'll get into these things as the yeah. topic and the discussion moves on. But I just want to, I want to honor you, sir. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the way that you put your life together. Uh, I'm grateful to know you. And I mean that. I appreciate that. Thank you so very much. You know, again, and I'll go, I'll start here and we can, we can start to weave our conversation. You know, Steve, it's, it's amazing to me in today's world. And, and again, people say, well, why do you do the podcast? Why do you, why do you do that? I do it to form relationships. Like we're talking, like you and I are forming a relationship and I do it because our world is so bereft of, of encouragement. There, there is such a void of encouragement there because if all you did was read the, the newspaper or look online and read stories or watch the news and read stories, you would probably not, one, want to get out of bed and, two, find somewhere to hide and, and kind of that duck and cover because it's just a, a barragement of, of negativity. I want to start here with you around that, that conversation. This year has been so different for so many people since March of last year, as we record this still in the midst of COVID-19. I thought a hundred episodes ago or, or more that, that we would be past this. But take me through the last year of what life has been like for you personally, professionally, walking through and navigating through COVID-19? Well, Brian, for me, um, the last 12 months have been redeeming the time. They've been redeeming the time, meaning um, I'm always busy with session work, Brian. I'm always working with broken people. I'm always working with uh, the population that I serve are people that, um, you know, have upended their ship. 
they've shipwrecked somewhere. That's the population that God has had me working with for 40 years, Brian. And when COVID happened, um, what it gave me was the chance, Brian, to be able to work really diligently on the genius path. I'm a writer. You know, when people ask me what I am, Brian, uh, principally, I'm always a writer first. And so in the last, when it hit, and we were at home and, you know, homebound, if you would, and lip options became more limited. What it gave me, Brian, it was a gift from God to be able to put the genius path together, which I had had patchwork uh, pieces of it all over kind of scattered in my mind and different starts and stops, Brian. But it gave me the chance to be able to really condense and distill and then drive into the genius path to be able to get it into the format that it is now available to folks. So for me, the last 12 months have been, they've been a delightful experience. And and I don't mean that to in any way, you know, bring bring any kind of anything but uh, great grace to these people, every people who have suffered because, uh, you know, there have been difficult days, Brian, for sure. But in the main, what I've done is I have accepted the moment that God gave us this season to be able to write and compose and to be able to compile and to be able to edit and to be able to format and now to be able to launch the Genius Path course. It's been a very conscious, intentional, dive deep, you know, 15 hours a day, get this work out into the into the people's hands. I hope that answers your question. No, it's beautiful. And, and I want to follow up with that because... There are not too many people, Steve, that I come across that have said, I have spent my life working with broken people. For some, they have they have maybe worked in that ministry and then transitioned to something else, maybe started in that ministry, but now they're doing something else. Or maybe professionally, maybe starting in counseling or working with people and then move to something else. But you've stayed in that pathway what continues to draw you to broken people? Well, Brian, um, it's such a great question, and great questions get good answers, you know? And my answer is, Brian, I'm a fan of the human spirit. People will say to me all the time, do you not get discouraged? Do you not find it depressing? Do you not find it, you know, burdensome to work with the the people that you work with. And I answered always no. Mm-hmm. To me, Brian, the most courageous people in the world are the folk that I and people like me get to work with. Because I work with people who have passed through are in are are stalled in the porch of hell. Yeah. In whatever capacity you want to define that. And it's not an exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. I work with people who are passing through the gates of hell. Their family members, themselves personally, their positions, their their uh, their infirmities, their their brains that tilt, their um, relationships that, that that fray and and shatter, their careers that crumble, their bank accounts that empty, their businesses that collide and collapse. I work with people, Brian, whom life catches up to. Life catches to all of us, Brian. Every single one of us, we get caught. And so what I have had the privilege and the honor of doing 
uh, is to be able to work with these folks. I'll say one other thing, Brian. I've had seasons in my life where I didn't do as much intense counseling work as I do in other seasons. But I've always, for 40 years, had some form of ministry I've been doing, whether it be writing or speaking or traveling and, you know, working with pastors and staffs or whether it's been working with, you know, deteriorating churches or congregations that have, you know, decided to fight with each other instead of love God. I mean, I've had this you know, cornucopia of experiences over my life, Brian. And, but all of it with one central theme. And that is that human beings are always the answer in God's world. They're always the solution. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't have some miraculous encounters and incursions and intrusions and he doesn't show up because I believe he does. But there is this thing that God has decided. It's his decision, Brian. Yeah. God decided to use human beings. And so it's a long answer to your question, but I think it's an accurate answer. My belief is, Brian, that human beings grow and mature and gain leverage in life because of the sorrow that they've encountered. That is what I believe, Brian. No, you're 100% right. And, and my wife and I were talking back, and we were kind of reminiscing back to the time in our life where, where we were broken together after I lost a job pretty viciously almost four years ago. And I told her, I said, I had never gone through anxiety, fear, depression, jealousy, doubt, anger, frustration. I'd never gone through the depression, really. I'd never gone through any of that. And so... I, and, and, and she told me something, she said, but God used that in you for you to help someone else. Wow. You go through that to help someone else. I want to ask you this, Steve, what is the common denominator of broken people? Well, you know, I, I, I would try to create it into a mathematical equation because you use the term common denominator. I would yeah. say this, Brian. I'd say there are a few common commonalities. Let's use that word, commonalities. Brian, first off, let's talk about drugs and alcohol. You cannot have a conversation in the United States without talking about drugs and alcohol. That is a huge issue in people's lives. Steve, let me jump in here real quick. Please. And, 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 and the reason I love what you said there just now about drugs and alcohol. I live 15 minutes away from what many people consider to be the heroin epicenter of the United States. And it's Huntington, West Virginia. About four and a half years ago, in one night, in, in a town of about 40,000 people, we, we're probably the second or third largest town in, in the state of West Virginia, but not a large town when you look at other large towns around us. Like, you know, we're two hours from Lexington, Kentucky, three hours from Louisville, Kentucky. We're four and a half hours from Charlotte, three from Cincinnati, three from Columbus, three, a lot of large, large metropolitan areas that surround us, but we're, we're tucked in this small little corner of Southwestern West Virginia. We had 26 heroin overdoses in one night and our emergency medical personnel were overwhelmed in one night with, with what they had to respond to. And through Narcan, through the, the vehicle of Narcan, 
they were able to bring back out of those overdose states, 25 out of 26. Unfortunately, there was one that perished. They, they were not able to, to do that. It was an eye-opening moment for our city because for years we had seen the trickling in. It's just a trickling in. You know, they, they don't all come, you know, drugs don't come flooding into your community. They trickle in just a little bit. You might notice something here, there. And I don't mean to hijack the conversation, but you notice something here, there. Well, that's a little off, but oh, well, you know, we'll just go on about our life. And, and, and ours is a college town. Marshall University is there. And you go, well, maybe, you know, kids party and things like that. But that was the moment, Steve, that everyone in this region had to sit up and take notice and go, not that was more than a trickle. It was a tsunami in one night. And so I, I had to jump in when you were talking about drugs and alcohol, because you have so beautifully hit that on the, the head that that seems to be the root cause. Let me ask you this, if you don't mind, I want to, I want to just extrapolate a little more conversation out of that. What is the one thing that as you talk with broken people and you meet with broken people, not just the common denominator, but what is that aha moment that causes you to say, here is what they're dealing with? Do you ever have those aha moments when you're dealing with broken people and it just becomes clear that, that this thing is the very thing, it's the wall that's standing right in front of them? Well, yes, I do. Thank goodness. I mean, that's the work, isn't it, Brian? The yeah. work is to find that. It's actually a pretty good question, Brian, because again, good questions, you know, beget really good answers. And it brings you to my theory of, of care. Let's talk about, answer it this, this way, Brian. I'm a Christian counselor, Brian. Mm -hmm. I want to say that again. I'm a Christian counselor. Yes. I'm a person that is forced to make a decision. The decision is either I use and follow the psychosis diagnosis model or, and I have over my lifetime, really, really fought to reject that, Brian. I work now under what I call the brain gap theory model. And the brain gap theory model, Brian, says that when a person begins to act in very bad ways, let's use that term, you know, ways that are, 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 not, are not becoming and ways that are conflicting and all that stuff. Yeah. I have come to the belief that it's because the brain is, there's, there, there's a gap there. And when the brain has a gap, I'm answering your question, sir. When the brain has a gap, Brian, there's confusion in the, in the person's mind. And when there's confusion, then there's aberrant behaviors. And so the work that I do, Brian, is to do, I do all kinds of things to bring that person to this moment when they come to grips with where the gap is. And I call that swoosh. And swoosh means, aha, they see it. And usually, Brian, when they see it, I mean, it's all kinds of uh, varieties of responses that they'll have. But generally, it is a very quiet thing that happens to them because they all of a sudden come to grips with what 
It is. Now, that's how I do life, Brian. Mm -hmm. I believe that human beings are God's greatest gift. I believe human beings are God's apex creation. I do not believe in the diagnosis model that is based on psychosis. Is it true that there are psychotics in the world? Yes. But I believe rather what I've come to the conclusion in my life is the way to best serve human beings and the way to best mollify, if you will, the shame and, and, and disappointment and, you know, self-revulsion that they feel is to use this model that I've developed. I've never seen anybody else talk about it, Brian, what I call brain gap theory. Brain gap theory, folks, if you're listening, it just means that what it doesn't absolve you from the behavior. So hear that, Brian. Mm -hmm. Rather, what it does is it softens the blow of the consequences. And that's the job of a therapist, a, a healer, a counselor, is to bring a person to the place where that they, 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 as quietly and gently as possible, Brian, confront the, that place in their life where that they, they had that gap experience or are those gap experiences now on the positive side. It's a great question because as you can see, I've thought this through mm -hmm. and tried to have to make reason of it over all these years of work on the positive side, Brian, as the gaps fill in the brain, then the human being begins to create new synapses and new synapses create new ways of learning and new learnings means that they begin to understand what it means to be in a proper relationship, understand what it means to be in a proper role, understand what it means to be personal responsible, yeah. personally responsible, understand what it means to make proper commitments. And, and, and it becomes this inclusive enfolding kind of a thing. Ultimately, Brian, the goal of the aha that you speak of is to really merge the right and the left hemispheres of the brain and to do that in a way that the person can then move into their life in a very, you know, instead of a conflicted way, they move into in a very constructive way where that they see their life going forward as something that has value and purpose and gift. I hope that helps you because that's a long answer, but you asked a very good question that required it, I think. No, it, it, it's excellent. And, and I want to extrapolate just a tad more conversation on this. I want to step aside and take a break. And also when we come back, I want to ask Steve about healthier, more vibrant sense of community, not only externally, but internally, as far as teams and leadership is, is concerned, because I think that is, is lacking in a lot of places. I am with my friend, Steve Bonnenberger, uh, founder of the genius path. We've got more great conversation coming for you right after this on the intentional encourager podcast. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers 
after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Steve, let's pull a little more conversation out of that before we we went to break. And and you talked it, you used a word that I want to go here and talk about for just a minute, and that is cohesion. Bringing the left, as you just said a moment ago, the left side and the right side. If you're watching on YouTube, bringing the bringing together. And and when you were talking about that, when you were talking about that inside of broken people. The disconnect is very much real. Otherwise, they they wouldn't be broken. That cohesion would be there. It's almost like breaking an electric current, breaking a circuit where the, the current cannot flow how it needs to flow. Something has broken it. We had a little power outage today. So something broke that circuit and has caused discohesion. And hopefully the power company is down the road fixing the problem we're running on generator power because it it can provide cohesive power it can continue to supply that power even when something is broken there how hard is it for folks that are broken to understand the power of cohesion well my answer is with the proper guide Okay, and with the proper mentor and with the proper information, uh, Brian, I think it can happen, you know, certainly within a, within a period of a few months. And if you look at the Genius Path course now, Brian, what I basically have done is worked really hard to create processes and information and um, so, that, so that a person can literally collapse time frames. Brian, I would say it like this. Uh, let me say it in the negative first, Okay without what I just said, which is proper information, proper guide, proper process work, and then a lot of commitment and hard work and, and then a community of support. It. I mean, people can spend years, if not decades in that, in that broken state. Yeah. And, and what's interesting to me, Brian, about, about genius work is I believe that the, that the genius that is within them is what causes the, the the breakage. Now think about this, Brian. I believe that when a person refuses for whatever reason or withdraws from or, or cannot connect with their genius, that then the genius inside of them, Brian, will take them into, into some pathways that are not pleasant. They just will because the genius inside of them is screaming for them to pay attention. And finally, a person, you, how many times, you know, it's that old thing of the prodigal son where, you know, the, the, the scripture says he came to his, his senses, you know, yeah. and then he, and then when he came to his senses, he, you know, and I, I think that there's this thing inside of all of us, and I call it genius, Brian, because I'm so fascinated with the principle of genius. But um, I, I think that the answer is there are ways to con- contract and compress time zones and accelerate discovery and to, and to, you know, really grow cohesion. But I will say this on the negative side, that if you decide not to pay attention, Brian, yeah, 
then then genius is going to put you through some difficult experiences until and unless you pay attention to it. I, I got to ask you this, Steve. Please. Forgive me. Forgive me. I, I, no, I've got I, to. I I've got this. to go here. I've got to go here for just a second, because as you were talking there, and and I, I wanted to just pull a little more conversation oh. that way. I have always told my 20-year-old son, and I've told my wife this, that there is a difference between can't and won't. And and here's what I mean by that. People have said, well, I can't do this, or I can't allow this to happen. When it when when can't is almost a a an excuse me, it's like, well, excuse me, I can't, instead of a definitive stand of I won't go here. I won't do this. It's more of a, a an affirmative stand. Are there times when people, because of fear, because of other things in their life, it's not that they can't see genius working within them. It's that they won't see genius working within them because of some kind of inner struggle or fear that, because that's why, that's really what I, I mean, forgive me again for a long-winded question but as you were talking I, I was trying to put myself in the moment of a person struggling and being broken and 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 trying to to, to come to that cohesive moment and and thinking to myself okay is it that some people just physically cannot get there they can't make that cohesion in the mind there's something there or it's that fear and doubt says to them, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. And that's what causes the co the cohesion not to happen. Am I making sense with that, with that question, Steve? You make perfect sense, Brian. And when you say these things, it just brings me back. And, and I'm not here to sell anybody, Brian, but it brings me back to the, to the Genius Path course. The course is full of process work, Brian. You have to understand that when a life halts, when a life stalls, when a life idles, when a life distracts, when a life breaks, when a life conflicts, there's, you know, those things happen. And those are such strong patterns, Brian, that, that build around those things. Don't just think about one of those that I just said, each of them begin to build their own, if you will, parapets, because those things become defensive. They like the position they have in the soul, in the psyche. Yeah. yeah. And so what you have to do is literally intentionally through process work, through education, and then through community, and then through determination, and then through the discovery of genius, you have to start working through that thing. Let me say one more thing, Brian, and 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 forgive me if I'm being long-winded, but I just love this so much. No, this but, is good conversation, Steve. Well, you good. take as long so. as you need. Uh, I think so, too. Well, let me just say this. Brian, there's another thing. If we circle back to where we started when you asked me and we talked about drugs and alcohol, you said, what are some common things? Brian, the biggest commonality of what's breaking people in, in our time is the culture, the culture, Brian, is producing what I call wrong-headed thinking. 
And the wrong-headed thinking is impacting people and creating wrong-headed behavior. And wrong-headed behavior that is really culturally driven is creating all kinds of lifestyle. So if you look at your mind, Brian, at progressions and you ask this question of commonality, and so my position is, and one of the first things we do in the genius path is, is pre present how the culture is creating these wrong-headed thoughts that literally collide with the psyche. Listen to me, folks. And I don't do it to exonerate people, Brian. I don't do it to, you know, to, I do it to lessen the blow. Mm -hmm. To let them know that there is a, a, now just listen to this, Brian. There is the slightest hint of people being duped right now. Yeah. And that dupery is what causes people to start this slide. And so I say to people that when you consider the culture, and I have considered it a lot, Brian, because I work with this stuff every day of my life. Then you begin to understand the need to do what the scripture calls transform your mind. And you transform your mind by a few things. And I'm going to say it again. You need process. You need proper information. You need personal reflection. You need affirmation. And then you need a discovery process to be able to understand what your genius, genius is. That's what the genius course is, Brian. The reason I put it together is because over the years, I have, dis, I have worked and worked and worked and finally been able to condense and really concentrate the lessons that I have gleaned from the hundreds and hundreds of hours of session work I've done. Okay? Yeah. I hope that I'm making sense because I think you're I have accurately answered your question, sir. No, you make it, you're making perfect sense. And, and and I love this because I was studying this yesterday morning because there are, there are times when our minds, from the moment we hit the floor, the, the our feet hit the floor, we get distracted yeah. because everything comes at us. It's like you wake up and you go, your mind goes, bing, okay, everything's on. And, and, and then there's distractions here, distractions there. It, it's almost like you're breathing them in like, like oxygen. And so, no, it makes perfect sense. So I want to go here for just a moment before we take another break. I want to ask you how leaders in companies, in churches, in, in organizations, maybe a small business that has – a dozen employees or five or 10 employees, how do leaders effectively work with broken people? Because that is a functionality of leadership that most people, most leaders kind of say, we're going to do this task. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. Yeah. And, and the, some of the people that they're dealing with, they're wonderful people. They're tremendous people. They're great employees. But again, I want to go back to that cohesion. There's something not right, and it may be a little tweak in their job performance or maybe a big job performance tweak. So in leadership, how do leaders effectively work with broken people? Well, that's such a great question, okay? Again, great questions get, great, get good answers. Brian, you've addressed what I call, uh, I have a whole 
course that I'm developing on this. And for me, it, here's my answer. It's called Dreams to Empire Build. Dreams to Empire Build, Brian. Brian. Mm -hmm. And what happens is if you're going to work into with a diverse population of people, and all of us work with diverse populations now, Brian, there is no homogeneity left. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a good thing. And so you begin to understand that what really needs to happen is what there's a model that I have put together for that, and it's not mine. It's something I read years ago, but it's called discussion agreement consent. If you're going to build a team of people and with the understanding and the acceptance, Brian, and then, and then I'll let you go to break and we can pick this up in a minute. You have to, as a leader, start to think about discussion agreement consent. Once you get that, you know, kind of bulleted into your head, that that's how you build a team. I mean, I have an entire, again, course that I'm developing on how that works out, Brian. Mm. But it's a great question. And I hope that my quick answer gave you gave you some insight into, into how that happens. Let me just refrain it a little bit. It's genius to empire. Your idea to empire. How do you get there? Well, the three main ingredients that you need to process if you're the leader of the pastor is discussion, agreement, consent. And we can pick that up again if you care to. If not, we can just let people start to chew on it because I'll have material out on that towards the middle of the year, sir. That That's great because, again, you know, when, when I think about – there's all these different courses on leadership, and there's great materials and, and things like that. I've not seen a course yet, though, that deals with what you're talking about with broken people. And especially in our world today, where someone in some way is affected, maybe it's a two, it's a two income family. And one of the incomes has been adversely affected because of COVID-19 or, you know, the loss of a loved one or gone through illness themselves. And so there, there's all these things to your point that you made earlier that cause breakage and, and these people, you can't separate your personal life from your work life a lot of times because, you know, you, if that were the case, we would just be robots and from eight to five, we would just be, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, we would just regurgitate information from, from eight to five. And so forgive me for, for uh, pontificating there for a moment. I do want to step aside, take a break. Steve, when we come back, I want to get into your story. That's why I wanted to, to really dive in and, and, and get into the nuts and bolts of your story. And, and you folks that have listened to the Intentional Encourager podcast, you knew I was going there. It would not be a podcast without diving into Steve's story. We will do that here in just a moment on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People. Ten powerful people lessons from the ultimate people person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me ten connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger 
deeper and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Back from People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Steve, I want to dive into your story. Take me as far back as you want to go from point A to today. Some of the things that have shaped and modeled your life and maybe some some challenges that you've gone through along the way and the lessons you've learned. Just I want you to take I want you to take this time and really tell folks the backstory behind Steve Bondenberger's life. Well, Brian, if you want to understand me, there there'd be kind of two or three things I would say. First off, I'm a writer. When I was just a little boy, I had stories that would come to me and I didn't know how to handle them. I didn't know what a writer was. I loved to read books. But uh, if you really want to understand me, Brian, I started keeping a journal when I was about 25. I started dabbling with it when I was in my mid-teens. Started writing my first stories probably when I was in my early 20s. But really just kind of, you know, um, dabbling because I didn't know what I was doing. But then I started keeping a, a journal when I was 25 pretty extensively. And I believe in journaling, okay? So that's the first thing you need to know about me, Brian, is I'm a writer. The second thing you need to know about me is I'm a person that has, uh, oh, if I say this, it always makes me sound, I don't mean it. I'm a humble man, Brian, but I, I'm a guy that has always been stirred by the intellect more than anything else. I probably read 10,000 plus books in my life, Brian. I don't say that to be haughty. Um, it's just, you know, some people, you know, go out and, you know, run their dog. And some people, I just have always loved books. I've loved learning. I've loved how to put them together. Um, the next thing that people would need to know about me, Brian, is uh, since I was, you know, I started preaching when I was 17. I started pastoring churches when I was in my... You know, just before I turned 20, I was a pastor a long time. So, you know, this 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 religious component, Brian, and that's not always been a pleasant thing for me. I have to tell you that it's not always been a pleasant experience for me. Um, and then the next thing that people would need to know about me, Brian, is that I'm a person that has generally been involved with brokenness in some form of my life, meaning either I've been broken in a season of my life or, but the majority of my life, Brian, has been me dealing with broken people. Steve, I've got to ask you this. Please. I've got to ask you. I, my dad was a pastor the last three and a half years of his life. I know some of the things that he went through in pastoring people. It was, it was a lot more it was a lot more involved. It was a lot more difficult at times yeah. than, than he thought it would be. You become a pastor at 19, 20 years old. It's true. 
you are having much older people, much seeming seemingly wiser people around you. And now all of a sudden, one, you're leading a congregation. But two, there are there are people looking to you for spiritual wisdom and guidance. What was that time in your life like for you? Did you ever feel that? And then they call it imposter syndrome today. Yeah. But did you ever feel the inadequacy of pastoring? How how did that season of life come to you? And take me through that that time where you began pastoring, some of the thoughts and things that you had around that. Well, Brian, first off, I love the New Testament church, okay? The, the New Testament church doesn't always love me back, Brian. Um, and I take responsibility. I don't blame anybody for the mistakes I've made, Brian. Um, but I will say it like to you like this. There were days that when I was a pastor when I would not understand the work I was doing to bring people into the congregation, how people took that and twisted it. I still can't get my mind around it, Brian. That's a great point. That it's just true. I, I mean, I could tell you these stories, but I'll not do that because I, you know, again, I take responsibility. Yeah. I was just too young, Brian. And let me tell you the mistakes that I made as a pastor. The main mistake I made, Brian, is I was not raised in the church, Brian. I was converted when I was 16. And like I said, then started preaching when I was 17 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, the issue with me is whenever there was conflict in the church and there was a lot, okay, I didn't understand that because I was too young, Brian. Yeah. And I always felt responsible for it. And I always felt, Brian, that I was hurting people. And you have to understand what this did to me. It crushed me. The idea that I was bringing harm into this body of people and into these people's lives, I didn't know how to handle it, Brian. I wish to goodness I would have the, you know, the wisdom I have now. Yeah. But then I really thought that I was... I didn't understand it. So I, let me, I, Steve, I, I, I really, I got to go here for a minute. My, yeah. my mind just, just works and, and, and I'm, I'm hanging on what you're saying. If you could go back and sit down with, with 22 year old Steve. Yeah. Sit down with a cup, sit down with him for a cup of coffee. Yeah. What would you say to him? What advice would you give 22 year old pastor Steve? Buck up, buddy. This ain't gonna be this ain't gonna be easy. <laughs> That's the first thing I'd say to him. Second thing I'd say to him is I see I can't say it on the podcast, but I'd tell him to grow some grit. Yeah. I'd say, okay, dude, this is what it's gonna look like. I'd I'd be the him, and this is what I'd say, grow some grit. And the third thing I'd probably say to him is um let me tell you this story, okay? I'll answer it with this yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I when I was a pastor of one of those churches, we had one of those erect little piano things, you know, that was, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it was a, you know, kind of a studio piano. Yeah. And this guy came in and it was a hot sweltering day and it was a little country church and he had a Panama brim hat and he was sweating profusely and we'd hired him because he was a piano tuner. And so he came in and it was me, of course, the one that's gonna, you know, be there all day. 
And so he gets out his toolkit and he takes off the back of the piano and he looks at me and I look at him and he said, son, it's going to take a while. Go get yourself something to eat. Sit down. I don't care. I'm going to be here a while. And so I would tell that 22 year old kid, it's going to take a while, you know, just sit down. The other thing I would tell that 22 year old kid is that, and, and if I say this, please don't take this as hubris, Brian. I tell him that he's right more than he thinks he is. Oh, that is so good. I yep. would tell him that. There is so much self-doubt in, 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 in being in ministry myself the last several years. You do, and, and I've not pastored, but but being in leadership and being in ministry and things like that, you're hitting on, that is such a great point, is that you feel like, you you almost feel like that you have, and 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 I'm just I'm I'm gonna be a tad crass, forgive me. But you feel like you have just lobbed something into the atmosphere and 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 you you believe it's gonna be good and you think, okay, this is this is this is gonna be good. Like cooking something. You you put the ingredients in, you 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 put the time and the study and the prayer and you 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 really get that that message good and you 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 taste it and you go, yeah, that's pretty good. That's not bad. And then people walk in as you're 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 delivering it, and you're 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 plating it out there, and, and people go, My God, what's that smell? And it's like they're not complimenting you. They're not, they're not saying, sure. oh, that's, that smells good. It's like, oh, my gosh. And, and they're fanning their faces. I'm, I'm doing it on YouTube, and they're holding their noses. And you think to yourself, in that moment, you think, what have I just done here? And, and you realize a lot of times, Steve, and I've had those moments, and I've come home and I've told my wife, I'm like, man, people just kind of looked at me like I was sitting there. But then you get the call the next day and you go and or you get a text and somebody says, boy, I really needed to hear what you had to say. I really needed that. And then you think, man, it was worth it because somebody got fed. And so I love what you said there about the self-doubt because you, nobody is harder on us as leaders and ministers more than we are. Right. I mean, it, that's just, it comes with the territory and I'm just, I'm always fearful when I preach that I am not as on target as I need to be. And, and so I, I just, I had to pull that conversation out of there, Steve, because it was so good when you talk about the, the, the doubt. And, and sometimes it's like, man, did, did I really deliver what I wanted to deliver? How did you overcome that in your ministry, in your life? Well, Brian, it, you know, the positive of what happened is it drove me to be a writer and a contemplative and a reader and a studier. And at the same time, it drove me to the place where that I made a, you know, kind of this decision that, my work was always going to be with broken people. And so, you know, you have this, and I made that decision really early, Brian, and I've kept at it all these years, you know, like I said, in, a, in various forms, 
not always with the intensity of the schedule and the session work that I, I've done in certain seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. But I think that, Brian, what, what each and every person has to come to grips with is, you know, when conflict happens and when separation happens and when breakage happens, you then have to make choices. And for me, I chose to be a writer, a thinker. Uh, and by the way, another principle of genius path is you have to start alone. It forced me into solitude, Brian. And into solitude is when I started to study harder and pray more and wrestle more with God. And, you know, and as I did that, you know, then over the years, what has had developed is, 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 is the programs that I have put forward and the process work that I, I keep coming to this word, Brian, because I believe that the key, one of the keys to life, let's go backwards, information that is correct, process work, personal reflection work, personal affirmation, discovery of genius. I believe these things, Brian. I believe them with everything in my guts. And, you know, no matter what category of brokenness or stall or life halt you're in, I believe it in this recipe. Believe it. It's helped me. It will help others. And so the answer to your question is it caused me to have to do the things that I do now. Period. How, How difficult or different is it to minister, coach, or counsel broken ministers and leaders? Well, you know, Brian, you, you've hit on something that means a lot to me, and you did. perhaps the Lord led you there, and I'm glad he did. Let's say a word to pastors, okay? I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of them. And so, Brian, I just want to say that there is no one that cares for pastors generally. And if you're a pastor and you're hurting and you're twisted, and you're alone, and you're confused, and you don't know what to do, and you've been to all the catalysts, and I don't mean that bad, God bless those guys that put those on, you've been to every one of those kind of events, and then you come back to your, your congregation, and you're staring down the same people who have the same attitudes, who are pushing back on everything you push forward, and you are literally empty. You should ping me. I promise you I will listen. I promise you that I will start you with the genius path. And I promise you that I will pay attention to what it is that's going on in your life. I promise I will. And I make one more promise, Brian, and I don't make promises. God has not overlooked you, preacher. He has not. Hadn't forgot your name. Doesn't, you know, hadn't. Your zip code hasn't gone out of his memory bank. He isn't in Bangladesh. He ain't busy doing something else. Yeah. I'm just saying, hey, preacher, I understand you more than anybody maybe on the planet. I've lived your lives in, I've walked in your shoes, and my heart is with you, and I will listen to you. I will pay attention to you, and I'll bring everything I've got to help you find the next the next wind in your sail for your ministry. I mean that. Wow. I, I feel it. I, I really do. I feel it. I was going to ask you something else. It's it, it, it wouldn't be appropriate. Okay. What would be appropriate is I want you to share with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. 
I didn't understand what you asked, please. I want you to share with this audience, Steve, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Genius is inside of you. It's there. God put it there. Brian, I'm going to use a word that's a big word, but I believe it's intrinsic. It's a part of your DNA. It's there because God put it there. And God is asking you to, for once in your life, pay attention to you. Give your genius a chance. And I'll say one more word, Brian, and I, I love and honor you, my friend. If you, if you find your genius, and I believe you will, you ready, Brian? It will care for you the remainder of your days on earth. I believe that because, because here's why I believe that. I believe that because every investment you make in yourself always returns a dividend. That's right. It always returns a dividend. Steve, take a moment and tell folks how they can connect with you. If there's a pastor listening or a minister, um, especially a leader out there that wants to know more about tapping into their genius, how can folks connect with you? TheGeniusPath.com, TheGeniusPath.com. You go there, you leave me a note, and I promise I will get back in touch with you. TheGeniusPath.com, T-H-E-G-E-N-I-U-S-P-A-T-H, TheGeniusPath.com, and connect with him on LinkedIn at Steve Bonnenberger, B-O-N-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. Steve, this has been wonderful conversation. I know people are going to be intentionally encouraged when they hear it. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Intentional Encourage Podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.